The bonny month of June is crowned with the sweet scarlet rose. The groves and meadows all around with lovely pleasure flows. Welcome to Wheel of the Year Litha, the 13th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Today's opening is the first stanza in a Cornish Midsummer Bonfire song. You may call me Ode. And you can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. And I didn't laugh at that one. <laughs> <laughs> because I came up with it. I yes. found it. Car, Car found the, the Midsummer Bonfire song and brought it to me and said, this is the opening for this episode. And I said, okay. It, and it means fit. I won't laugh at it. It, it fits mm. very yep. well, though. Since I was given crap the last couple of times about Cackling. laughing at them. Yes. Yeah. Cackling, that's a good word. So since this is our first episode in June, we're going to start by reading the names of our patrons. Yes. Thank you very much, patrons, for... All you do for us. Justin Stanage, Charles Howison, Tally Cazoyle Thomason, Stevie Thompson, Kay Kremer, and Aaron Mao. Thank you guys so much for all your support. And thank you to all of our listeners. Yes. That's right. Yep. We couldn't be here without you. That is nope. very true. Yeah. Uh, we still would be. Well. I, right. We'd we, do it, but we, no. We'd just, we'd just be even more broke than we <laughs> Well, you know. You let us pay for the website. That's the big one. That's yeah. the big one yeah. right there. So that we can keep keep this operation running. That's Bad right. Bandwidth isn't free. Nope. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The great lament of our time. Yep. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about Litha. We're going to start by discussing why we're calling it Litha in this episode, episode title. <laughs> we're calling it Litha just because that's the name that seems to be sort of the most widely... Yeah, the most common in the right, wheel of um, the year. In the wheel, in the wheel yeah. of the year that you'll find. It's very rarely listed as just Midsummer. I think because all of the other holidays have special names, so they wanted Midsummer to also have a special name. Yeah, yep. I, That's true. Probably true, yep. But I think we should also say that it it is primarily a Wiccan tradition to call it Litha, I believe. Well, and it's also um, it's also pretty common in heathen circles where Midsummer is celebrated to call it Litha because mm-hmm. of where Litha comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name Litha is just like Estra, derived from the Venerable Bede's Reckoning of Time, where he calls June and the modern months of June and July essentially early Litha and late Litha, uh, except he does it in (laughs) Anglo-Saxon. Makes sense. Right. And Anglo-Saxon is is derived from Germanic languages, so heathens and Germanic neo-pagans tend to use Litha as as their preferred term for midsummer, just because... It's, it sounds right. Mm-hmm. And during our research, we have discovered that there are probably 12,000 other names for this time of year, depending <laughs> on where lot. you're a from, yeah. what your path is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's there's so many of them uh, that we've come up with. Yeah. And even what I've seen like, <laughs> like summer solstice. Mm-hmm. is different than midsummer. Mm-hmm. Well, it's I mean, it's the same time. Yeah, it's summer, the same midsummer, time frame. it's within a week. Well, no, I mean midsummer and the summer solstice take place at the same time. Now, like old midsummer, like the traditional like single point of mm-hmm. June 24th is now usually celebrated at the same time as the summer solstice. I think okay. there are which some the, though. I think there are some people though, some cultures who still celebrate it on June 24th. Right. Yeah. Guaranteed every time. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean yeah. if you bring it up, it's midsummer comes up as June. I can't spell obviously, <laughs> but it comes up as June 24th and summer right. solstice. Summer in, in some so. places mm-hmm. in some places it's still celebrated exclusively on June 24th, which right. is the old like traditional fixed date for it, but my understanding is that these days, Midsummer is mostly celebrated at the summer solstice whenever that happens to happen, which this gotcha. year, by the way, will be June 21st. June right. 21st, that's right. And that right. does vary yeah. depending on the year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Why don't we list some of the solstice, names so. that are associated with this day, with summer solstice? The Probably the biggest one is the Feast of St. John. Yep. This was in the 4th century AD, the Christian church decided to set the Feast of St. John the Baptist on the summer solstice to counterbalance Christmas at, at which happens at the winter solstice, just so that they had that like even six month split. And of course it allowed them to take a pre-existing holiday and give it a Christian veneer right. and allow people to keep celebrating, mm-hmm. but force them to do it in the right <laughs> religion. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. happy Yule and winter right. solstice to our listeners <laughs> in the southern <laughs> to hemisphere. our friends in the southern southern hemisphere <laughs> where it is winter that. right now yeah, yeah it's yep. winter there <laughs> yeah so um the feast of saint john in roman catholic tradition 
is uh, at the summer solstice. And that's still celebrated in a lot of countries today, is yep. my understanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of so. Roman Catholics, Lutherans, mm-hmm. a lot of people still celebrate yeah. that. Yeah, anybody who celebrates the saints, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it, it's, it's interesting, too, because there's a lot of countries, as I was going through the list of all the countries that celebrate mm-hmm. uh, this time of year, they just have their own name for John. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. A lot of the a lot of the holiday names are are just John, John Day related. Yeah. John Day, John Day, John Day, John Day, but in like different languages, obviously, right. yeah. whatever the local language is. One of the interesting things that I did read is that part of the reason they they used Saint John the Baptist as the counterbalance to Jesus Christ during Christmas is that the sun starts declining after midsummer, right? Right. So midsummer is mm-hmm. the longest day, shortest night, and then the days get shorter. Until you get to winter Yule, solstice. to winter solstice, right. when it's the longest night, and then the days start getting longer. Right. So, apparently in the Bible, it's somewhere. <laughs> John the Baptist ha- has some sort of comment about how as Jesus ascends, John he must declines. decline. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, the Christian church saw, like, oh, there's this great correspondence between the sun, S-U-N, and the sun, S-O-N, of the sun starts increasing after Christmas and decreasing after midsummer. So the midsummer point is John, who decreases, and the winter solstice point is Christ, who increases. Wiccans may recognize this <laughs> as a Oak and Holly King situation. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. When you try to do research on the summer solstice, it's uh, the Feast of St. John you're going to come across probably Often. the most a frequently. Yep. A lot. But there's also uh, Alban Heffen. Is I guess the the Druid or the Welsh or the Celtic Welsh, yeah, Druid. I would is, say, yeah, yeah. Is the is is that term for for midsummer and for the summer solstice? Mm-hmm. The meanings I have found for it are light of the shore or light of summer. I can't find out where those originated. meanings originated. Alban Heffen and all of the Albans, Alban Arthen, Eilir, and Elfed. Are the those are the names for various solstices, and those come from Yolo Manig, which I'm probably mispronouncing horrifically. His name was Edward Williams. Edward Williams, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yolo Manig was his pen name. Uh, he was a late 18th century writer. Who <laughs> I I well he um <laughs> he created manuscripts which he claimed were ancient Druid texts which I would call forgery. I guess there's some contention on that subject. They weren't discovered to be forgeries or to be his own, like, whole cloth invention until after his death in the early 19th century. But he, his work uh, was sort of the basis for a lot of early druidry. Yep. So his fingerprints are on a lot of, of modern druidry. And my understanding is the, the Albans... Heffen, Arthur, Eilir, and Elfed, he created by taking existing Welsh words and sort of chopping them up and reconstructing them into new words. I suspect, although like I haven't done great a great deal of research on this, with the intention of making them seem as if they were older, like proto-Welsh, and then using those as as the terms for holidays. This is one of those things where like the same way Wiccans just have to make their peace with the fact that Gerald Gardner is the, the originator is the originator of Wicca. Modern druids who who are following the path of Yolo Manig is the originator of this information that we have about the druids. What, how much of this information he created out of just imagination, and how much of it he got from sources we don't have? You know, we just we don't have that information. So right. you mm-hmm. just yeah, you know, if Yolo Morganig is one of of the sources you reference. You just need to be aware that his authenticity is not always clear. And and we've talked about this before. If it's your UPG, right? Like right. if this is if and if if this is meaningful to you, then it's meaningful That's to you. Right, like exactly. the same way that if if hairs and eggs are associated with Estra to you today. Fine. The fact that they weren't historically associated with Estra or that we can't prove they were historically associated with Estra doesn't matter. They are now. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yep. Exactly. So if you celebrate Alban Heffen and you are fine with the fact that, you know, we don't know if this has a, an ancient origin, we just know it came from Yolo Morganig, then fine. Right. Like, yep. Exactly. Embrace that. That's, that's all I could find about Alban Heffen's origin. And I couldn't find anything that explained the light of summer, light of the shore 
explanation meaning for it. Uh, I, di- I did find in a Welsh to English dictionary that Alban means sort of greatest or highest. I suspect that Yolo intended for these to be like high spring, high summer, etc. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. So which makes sense, right? Which yeah. is is what you would sort of expect on solstices. So I'm not I'm I haven't been able to find uh, an origin or an etymology for light of the shore or light of summer, which is what I usually see. Alban Heffen translated as. So if somebody right. knows that, let us know. Right. Yeah, let us know yeah. in the comments if yeah. you have the source on that. Yeah, you can either comment here or you can comment on Facebook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. There's uh, another name for Midsummer that is used. Uh, my understanding is that Alban Heffen is used, uh, I've seen it mostly used by Obad. Right. Yep. The uh, Order of Druids, Ovates, and Bards. Yes. Did I do it right? No. Bards, Ovates, and Druids. Druids, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the ADF which is the Celtic words I can't say. Arndarach Fane. Yep, which Car is a part of. Um, celebrates Midsummer as Medrosamenos, which is, I guess, Old Celtic. For of Midsummer. Of Midsummer, yeah. yeah. So. Again, these things make sense. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, very very logical name for the thing to have. Yep. And then there's, we've uh, had some, Car and I discussed a, a lot the uh, the etymology of Litha. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> or Lithia. Litha or Lithia, yeah. <laughs> um, some places I've seen it spelled um, L-I-T-H-I-A. I don't, I'm not clear on where that comes from. The Litha that I'm familiar with, L-I-T-H-A, comes from the Venerable Bede, and it's it's actually spelled in the Reckoning of Time, L-I-Thorn, which is a an Old English, Old Norse, Proto-Germanic letter that means A. Uh, and those derivations come from Proto-Germanic and probably mean something like summer or mild. Right. Lithia, with an I, would be derived from Greek lithos, yep, meaning stone. stone. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure. And I've seen that I've seen that etymology included in a lot of places. The stone one. Yeah, the, the stone Greek one. one yeah. yeah, the Greek one. And I'm not sure where that one comes from because it's, it's not... If... Lithia was uh, like a common term for midsummer derived from Greek, then it would not have been the one that the Venerable Bede was using. He was using Litha with a thorn. Right. So I'm not sure where that comes from. But it's possible. When you get into ancient etymologies like this, it's all very speculative. Exactly. That's that's true. In a in a Hellenic direction, though, I've seen I've seen a lot of people referring to Vestalia mm-hmm. as being also a midsummer celebration. It's technically it technically doesn't take place during the summer solstice. It was a June seventh to the fifteenth, but it is a Roman festival dedicated to Vesta, who was the Roman goddess of the hearth. She's almost always presented as a sacred flame, like she doesn't have a personified appearance in in very many places, either in artistic representations or in mythology. She's she's almost always presented exclusively as a hearth flame or a sacred flame. Interesting. Vesta is where the Vestal Virgins mm-hmm. come from, if you're mm-hmm. familiar with them. The focus of the of, of Vesta in general and of Vestalia, the the holiday, was motherhood and domestic matters and the protection of the, the home. Well, and the protection of the people of Rome, right, like this, right. the Roman state, because gotcha. um, Vesta was considered sort of the the mother of Rome, probably in part because Romulus's mother was supposed to have been a Vestal Virgin. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So I only know about Vestal Virgins because of Xena. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people do. Um, <laughs> Thank you, warrior princess. So Vestalia, like I said, it doesn't take place exactly during midsummer or during the summer solstice it takes place a little bit before but a lot of people seem to celebrate it sort of as a as a combined just june festival um and i think probably especially because of vesta's fire connections and the Mm -hmm. fact that litha or midsummer is usually celebrated as a fire festival yeah Speaking of that, do we want to talk about like bonfires and all the exciting flaming activities that can be done during this time? <laughs> well, actually, the activities that I have, you know, obviously building a bonfire is one of them. Mm-hmm. And we also had the idea if you are an urbanite mm-hmm. and you don't have the ability to create some kind of a, a bonfire in your yard or something like that, if you're apartment dwellers such as we are, yep. um, you could actually make create a summer solstice fire just by putting a bunch, either getting a great big candle or putting a bunch of candles together and lighting them and having them as the center of your altar. Uh, as um, always, 
Be careful safety with your first. fire. <laughs> safety first. We already had our safety episode. Uh, okay. That was Referred safety to... with herbs. That's right. <laughs> this is safety with fire. <laughs> just get used to it. Yeah, okay. It's just going to happen. But anyway, so that, but obviously, because it is a fire festival, right. so having fire of some form right. is, you know, is something you, you might want to include. And I, I think Litha is probably a fire festival mostly because it's a solar festival. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because it is the longest day and fire is sort of the closest approximation we have of the sun on earth yeah yeah yeah, yeah. other than lava probably right yeah, yeah. but um, lava is difficult to get on command yeah. <laughs> true and you really don't want to bring it into your right home. exactly right. fire is, is is something we can produce intentionally and right. at so least pretend to control to contain? Right, all right, all right. <laughs> okay. all right so, fine no lava okay so beyond having a fire of some sort uh-huh. Uh, it, whether in your cauldron or in a, you yeah, know, in a, a fire in a pit fire or something pit, yeah. like that. One of the things I've heard, though, is that you should light a candle at sunrise mm. and oh. have it burn all the way until, until sun, sunset. sunset. During yeah. that, the long... Well, then, obviously, yeah. Yeah. obviously, if you're going to do that, you need to have somebody who's available to watch yeah, to the watch candle. Correct. Yeah, yep. In a devotional way, if at all possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. If you can set aside a whole day to just, like, devote to... Worshipping the sun and watching the candle and mm-hmm. right. that yep. would be well, really good. Here are some activities that you can do while you're right. watching your candle burn. Cool. All right. So one of the things you can do is make amulets of protection out of herbs such as rue and rowan. To you can make protection pouches by using white cotton to hang indoors or in bedrooms, and you can use two or three sprigs of rue, bits of whole grain wheat bread, a pinch of salt and star anise and gather those together and hang them. Um, You can also tie together with a red thread and hang over an entry door sprigs of rowan, sprigs of rue, and three flowers of St. John's wort. You can dispose of old amulets in the midsummer fire. Mm -hmm. So if you have something that you would like to dispose of, you can, you know, especially use your cauldron if you're inside, obviously, (laughs) and be careful. But um, I say if you can be outside at all during this, go for it. You can also cleanse the house and tools with spring water sprinkled by vervain, rosemary, and hyssop. You can create psychic dream pillows or fairy dream pillows uh, using mugwort, bay leaves, lavender, and blue or yellow cloth sewn together with red thread. And then you would place those under your pillow or hang them in a tree in your yard. According to this, um, you can see fairies at night if you soak thyme in olive oil and then carefully anoint your eyelids before you go out into the into the woods. Interesting. You can also make a solar wheel to hang outdoors on a tree in an entryway or in bedrooms. You can do this by twisting willow, palm, or grapevine into a circle. Or if you are urbanites as we are, you can go to your local Hobby Lobby or, get a, you know. Get a craft not Hobby, not, not Hobby Lobby. What is it? Michaels. Michaels. Michaels thank Michaels. you. Go to Michaels and get, you know, a something that's wreath. already made. Right. We don't want to go to Hobby Lobby. You have a good no. point. Never. You're good. You're you're right. Okay. They, they stole ancient Sumerian tablets right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We don't right. want to go there. So anyway, but you can make a solar wheel, and then you can also make a witch's ladder by braiding three strands of three foot long yarn in uh, red, black, and white for the triple goddess. You can burn the old Yule wreath in the litha fire because it's you know. Wow, you've kept that Yule wreath a long, a long time. time. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You can tie a bunch of fennel with red ribbons and hang it over the door for long life and protection of the home. You can go harvesting uh, herbs such as St. John's wort, vervain, and yarrow. Anything with yellow flowers, really. Anything with yellow flowers. You can go harvesting. For that solar connection. Exactly. And adorn your home with these things and use them in in your work. And then you can also look for the fairy folk under an elder tree. But according to tradition, if you eat their food, that means you stay with them for seven years. Assuming that they offer to feed you. Yes. Which is, I mean, (laughs) certainly don't steal the neighbor's food. Right. Exactly. But that's what I have. And again, it is from Anne Mora's Grimoire for the Green Witch. Cool. I don't have a ton for that. Just a little bit of shit. The the one that I thought was most interesting was creating a litha garden where you're actually creating an elemental garden. So you've got fire, air, water, and earth. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, whoa! It's the fourth well, hang on. one. It's um, it's because you you know all the pl- all the plants are earth aligned. You would right. think, yeah. Yep. So so creating a different section of your garden, mm-hmm. or 
a different wheel of your garden yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with that and then aligning them to their cardinal directions. I right. think that's cool. Which I think is is pretty pretty neat. Certainly and then, it would be an interesting project. Right, yeah. I Absolutely. think it would be a lot of fun to do. And that's something you can involve your kids in, mm-hmm. having Honestly. them be involved in that whole process of picking what flowers go in yeah. and, and exactly. that kind of stuff. So, you know, like for instance, uh, we'll just use the theme of air really quick. So you're going to use plants connected with inspiration, wisdom, and knowledge. Mm -hmm. So you're going to plant sage or mugwort, Mm -hmm. uh, members of the mint family. You know, basil would be fire related. So would rosemary and rue. So Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're just looking for things to plant that. That have connection. That have connection to those uh, different elements. And I would like to point out if, uh, again, if you are apartment dwellers or don't have access to a piece of land where you can do a garden, you could do this in containers on your balcony. Right, yep. If you have a balcony. If you have or a balcony a window or a patio. With, or a window with enough light. Yeah, If you, yeah. If yeah. you have, yep. like, a, what, probably an east-facing window that gets... Yeah, depending, yeah, depending, yeah. yeah. Right depending now, an east-facing window would be great because mm-hmm. that's going to yeah. get the most mm-hmm. sun as yep. it comes up, but so, yes. So, yeah, I think it's a wonderful idea. And uh, I think, oh, one other thing I wanted to, to mention, you can also take your kids on a picnic. You know, spend the day out in the sun and harvesting plants and... Teaching them about, you know, about what midsummer is all about. Yep. If, you, if you have kids. If you have children. <laughs> right. Yeah. We've got some correspondences. So, oh, I also, <laughs> I wanted to talk about, and I got distracted by talking about all these other activities. So I don't recommend doing this these days, but we have writings from Christian monks back in the day who were recording <laughs> what the peasants got up to during the Feast right. of St. John. Right. And one of the ones that shows up a couple of times is building an enormous wheel setting it on fire and rolling it down a hill. I actually want to do that. We have a really cool hill. <laughs> I do. wish we had saved our wreath uh, from I don't think they Yule would let us set it on fire and roll it down the hill. we could then set our Yule wreath on I fire know. and roll it down, down the hill. If you're going to do this, fire extinguishers handy would yeah. be a good idea. And also make sure it's your land, not the hill that Carr is talking about, which does not belong to us. <laughs> it would Just be because it belongs to an Abrahamic religion doesn't mean anything. And you should still be able to use it. No, I don't think that's probably true. I think uh, they'd probably fine. call the police. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I, I I don't recommend doing this probably for most people unless you happen to own a lot of land and you have a hill that doesn't have any grass on it and a good bit at the end where the wreath can stop and burn out. But this is definitely something that they used to do and that okay. the monks were convinced was done to scare off dragons. I just I just wanted to throw so that So you could find a hill that ends in a pond. <laughs> that would be perfect, yes. Right, so you're going to put it out instantly, <laughs> pretty much. And then you need a field that you've plowed but haven't planted yet. <laughs> I'm sure somewhere around we can find that. I just want to do it. I'm just Three pagans in a cat does, does not take, endorse does not endorse or take responsibility. For- <laughs> yeah. So we have some correspondences for Litha. The colors are sort of what you would expect from a solar festival: gold, red, orange, yellow, and white. Also green because it's summer, so there's a lot of that around. Mm-hmm. There are some foods that you can eat during Litha or during the midsummer time. Summer produce is obviously mm-hmm. ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, any fruits and especially if you grow them in your own garden, that would be primo. Or get them from local farmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honey cakes, mead, che- things like cheese wheels. A cheese wheel would be great just because you get your, a Can solar we roll dish. A cheese wheel down yeah. the hill? There's <laughs> actually a place that does that. Is there? Cooper's Hill Cheese Rolling and Wake. It's in Gloucester, England. Gloucester? Gloucester. I think it's just Gloucester, Gloucester. yeah. Mm-hmm. England. And they literally, it's a world famous event. Winners have come from the United <laughs> States, Australia, New Zealand, and Nepal. And it is held in May. And they really do roll, roll from the wheel. top of the hill a nine pound round <laughs> of double Gloucester cheese. Down rolling hill. down the hill. I think that's much safer than a burning yes, than a burning, than a burning wheel. Yep. So um, we can do that. Apparently, it can though reach speeds of seventy miles per hour. <laughs> that's a heck of a hill. <laughs> really? So you can eat eat cheese dishes or cheese wheels. Mm-hmm. Somewhere and then, I read fried chicken, but that may just be because I was hungry. I think Gwen just wants fried chicken. <laughs> and then uh, I also have read um, that sun dried foods are good because mm-hmm. you know you're using like the solar tomatoes. Yeah, or... yeah, yeah, solar connection. Exactly, you're using the sun's power to create your noms. That's right. Ooh, sun tea. That would be a great beverage. Yep. Symbols for for this time of year are solar discs, yellow things, 
fiery things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Midsummer Stung, which is like a maypole, but for midsummer. It has a slightly different construction. The one that's used today is a cross with two rings hanging from the crossbar. And they think that was, and it's then it's covered in greenery. Okay. Um, and they think that was probably an attempt to Christianize the Midsummer Stang. Okay. By making it into a cross. Right. The, what is probably the older design for, for the Midsummer Stang is a, a pole with two rings around it hanging from the top and down to the bottom. So, and they think those two rings were just transposed and hung from, from the crossbar gotcha. of the cross when, when the Midsummer Stung was adjusted. But unlike a maypole, it doesn't have ribbons wrapped around it. The whole thing is just wreathed in greenery all the mm. way around. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. Guess what? It's time for reviews! What did you do there at the end? He said harmonize. Can I try it again? Uh, no, 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 we're going to leave that one. That's, uh, that's what it is. Man. Okay, so from now on... I'm just going to yep. sing it. You I guys you, don't. I told, you, I told you it was a bad idea. I think that is deeply preferable. Yes. All right. All right. So the review for idea. today. Whew. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I'm a music major. I mean, go figure. <laughs> I can't harmonize on command. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, so what we're reviewing today or what I'm reviewing today. Because neither <laughs> of us have read it. Because neither Karin nor Quinn read it. Is uh, Sigil Witchery by Laura Tempest Zakroff. It's a book about a sort of alternate method for creating sigils. The traditional method is sort of the chaos magic method, which I've talked about before. Right, yep. So Zakroff is an artist, so she wanted to create sigils in a way that felt more intuitive to her. Yep. Which was to just take really basic symbols like dots and arrows and spade hearts and that sort of thing and, you know create meaning correspondences to those symbols and use those symbols to design sigils for purposes. Right. The um, the book is interesting. It's got a couple of different sections. The first section is sort of like a brief history of symbology and art, like a, like a really quick run through art history. Gotcha. Not like anywhere near modern art history, mostly like prehistoric art history. And it's, it's, She's got some stuff. She's got a big a bibliography in the back um, where you can get more information, which is good because she really sprints through it, and it's hard to cover that kind of material in much detail in this kind of a book. Unless you're me, in which case I don't want a huge <laughs> art history lesson, probably. Right. I also find it just sort of a weird read, maybe just because I'm used to reading about those subjects in a much more academic way. And right. And Zakharov has a very sort of conversational style. And so I had this like weird disconnect in my brain trying to read about an academic topic in a conversational style. <laughs> gotcha. But so then the next the next part of the book, she goes on to suggesting meanings for various simple symbols that you'll combine to make gotcha. into sigils. Um, and so that's interesting. She, she includes space under each one for your own associations with those oh, nice. symbols. Yeah. That's nice. So that you can mm-hmm. sort of build up your own library of, right. of, of um, basic symbols. That's cool. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty extensive. That's what most of the book is. And then she's got a section for word symbol associations. So... Uh, it's a, a list of words that are you're likely to use in in a sigil, like solve or work or trust. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and then uh, a space for you to sort of develop a symbol that means that word to oh, you. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then she's got a section further on about the process of creating a sigil and what she calls applying and acknowledging the sigil. She doesn't believe in activations, okay. which is this sort of traditional chaos magic method. Gotcha. So she, she gives a couple of examples of how to put a sigil together. And then she, there's a pretty long section in here about ways to apply the sigil, like what things to use, like markers or paint or salt or doing it in the earth. Or, oh, okay. Yeah. So there were some yeah. interesting things in there that I hadn't thought of before that were that were interesting. Some that are like temporary, like make it in salt and then let it blow away. Like, Okay. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And then some that are more, more permanent, permanent. Um, yeah. ways to do it in, in a way that's essentially invisible. So like do it in black marker on a black desk and no one will even know that you've done it. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, so so she had some interesting thoughts on that, which um, I will probably pick up uh, and use moving forward. She talks about tattooing sigils, 
for things you want on yourself really permanently. Permanently, nice. Um, and right. do, I've heard of people doing that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and doing henna sigils for things that you want your, on yourself less permanently. That's a great idea. Yeah, for stuff that's more time huh. sensitive. And I wonder if you could take something that you've drawn based on this to mm-hmm. a henna artist and they yeah. could just mm-hmm. basically recreate it on you. Or yeah. a tattoo artist. Or, yeah, right. yeah. Exactly. wanted it yeah. to be permanent. permanent yeah. um, and she even talks about if you need like a really temporary sigil, but like you want it on you for some reason, mm-hmm. um, you can use makeup. So you can use eyeliner and draw it on yourself. Oh, in very a really, interesting. For just a very temporary self-applied sigil. Right. This sounds like this is a very, it's a useful book. It's um, like got some textbook kind of vibe to it, but also workbook, but also suggestions. It is It is definitely kind of a workbook. Okay. Because like I said, it's got all these sections in it for you to sort of add your work own content right, yep. work mm-hmm. through it uh, on your own. She's got a few rituals in here that don't do it for me personally, just because like, I don't know, rhyming ritual phrases don't like jive with me, but that's I know m- they will mm-hmm. jive with some people. That's so. more of yeah. a Wiccan thing. Yeah. A lo- well, she's, and, a, and she's, a, as well. she's a traditional witch, I think. Yeah, is, yeah. Is that's what a I'm modern saying. traditional witch, I believe, is her. Yeah, and as for myself, I prefer, when I cast a spell, I prefer to use rhyming. Mm -hmm. It, uh, so it, again, it depends on, so Wiccans, traditional witches, or witches in general, often I'm not good at rhyming. I usually rhyme words (laughs) with the same word. So she's got, um, she's got some rituals in here, just a couple. One of them is, um, about designing a sigil for a spirit or deity that you work with. To use a sort of a calling card or a gateway. I'm going to have to buy a copy of this book for myself. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty interesting book. She's got some stuff about using sigils in motion because she's a dancer, so right. mm, she incorporates mm-hmm. sigils and stuff into oh, her. Oh, interesting! Into, oh, into wow. dance moves. Yep. I was just thinking because you know I, I did that belly dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I if you because a lot of belly dancers use henna. Yep. So if you are you incorporating belly dance into your ritual work or your spellcraft, and then you incorporate putting the the temporary sigil on mm-hmm. you, that could be extremely well, and powerful. Well, if you if you can create the sigil with your with, with your, your emotions, ha- with your emotions, and, right. yeah. that would be incredibly powerful. Yeah. So it's a very interesting idea. Mm-hmm. She's got a section in here that I don't love, where she's. I'm not sure if she intends to be sort of disdainful of the the chaos magic. Austin spare method or not, but it sort of comes off that way. She believes that basically chaos magicians have been reading spare wrong this whole time. Oh, interesting. Okay. And that he actually did it her way and just created the spare method for other people who were stupid. Interesting. Which I, so I don't love that. And I, I would have probably preferred this book if that section wasn't in it because I read it while rolling my eyes and feeling (laughs) a little harassed because I do like the chaos magic method of making sigils. And she's got, you know, she follows it up with a brief paragraph, a brief paragraph like, "Oh, whatever sigil making method works for you works for you. Go for it." But she follows. You know, that's following like three pages of being convinced that she has unlocked the secret to Austin Spare's actual methods and like. And maybe she has. Maybe maybe she hasn't. Maybe, but the disdain I could have gone without. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So Um, you felt a little. Attacked or harassed a, li- a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, but that's, then it- <laughs> that's a fair se- assessment. So, so if you're if you're really attached to the the chaos magic method or the spare method of creating sigils, just be aware that that section's in this book and that maybe you maybe should, you skip, should it. skip it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then at the end, she's got sort of a, another workbooky sort of thing where. She has um, listed a bunch of scenarios for, like, here's a scenario for which uh, a sigil needs to be created. And then a couple of pages later, she'll give you uh, the sigil that she would have created for that purpose. Oh, gotcha. So these are all hypotheticals. And so the idea is you go through the scenario, you create a sigil based on the work you've already done in this book to see sort of what kind of sigil you would create. And then you flip to to the end to see the sort of sigil she created and get a sense of, you know... Oh, interesting. Interesting. So it's sort of like those workbooks that you used to get in, in like, middle school with a whole bunch of math problems, and then if you flipped it over, the answers were on the back right, of, the, yeah. of the page. It's kind of like that. Gotcha. Interesting. And I, you know how I'm going back. I'm really intrigued by the henna idea because, you know, I love <laughs> henna. You, I don't think you would have to go to a henna artist to have that done. No, no, I you can you do it on get, yourself. Yeah, you could get yourself a henna kit yep. and learn how to to just do your sigil yourself. Yep. Yeah, if yep. you have some artistic bone in your body. I don't <laughs> when she, it comes to this kind of art. She, so she, she also would... goes into, again, in a slightly, a tone I don't necessarily love. It's in text, so it can be hard to translate. Sure. But mm-hmm. um, she goes into about how even if you believe you can't do art, just practice and you'll learn how to do art. 
as an artist, I mean, yes, obviously practice very much the key to all the things. But I, again, like, I know that there are some things that some people just are not skilled at or, and like, no amount of practice is going to necessarily do it for them. That, admittedly, though, these and are very. And you've watched me create art for your twenty years. But sigil can be years. as simple exactly. as exactly. And, it, and, as you and want these it to be. and these symbols, even the symbols that she has in here, which you are under no obligation to use, obviously, mm-hmm. are are very straightforward. You know, it's like a plus sign and dotted lines. Right. And, so the so even somebody who's not a skilled artist yeah. could create. You, you could a probably sigil use this method. Yeah. And and do it for yourself. Yeah. Right. The the main question is, do you recommend this book? I recommend this book to either people who are unfamiliar with making sigils at all and to whom the chaos magic method has not gelled, mm-hmm. for whom that hasn't made sense for whatever reason. Or to people who use chaos method uh, sigils like myself who are looking for expansions on that subject. If you're perfectly happy with the chaos magic method, I don't think you're going to find a whole lot here that will be useful to you. Like if you don't, if you have no interest in uh, in a different type of sigil crafting. Right. Um, because that's mostly what this book is about. Although some of the sections at the end about like making sigils out of different things... Um, and activating them in different ways right. is mm. still probably useful. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess I recommend it just... Oh, she has also got a very long section about art supplies, which I mostly skipped because I know how to buy art supplies. Right. Um, but if you are completely unfamiliar with art, that section will probably be very useful to you. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, I liked this book. I didn't love this book. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would recommend it for either extreme beginners, like you've never made a sigil before in your life. and so me. Right, and you right. read the chaos magic method, and it didn't make any sense to you. Right. Um, in which case, this may feel more intuitive. Right. Or if you have been making chaos magic sigils, and you just want to have an alternative for... Because chaos magic, you need sort of like a very... You need to be able to formulate your intention in a very specific sentence in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. You need to. It needs to be very structured. Um, you could use this for more formless intentions that you're having a hard time like breaking down into like a sentence. Right. Um, this sounds like something more I would be interested. Yeah, in. probably. And I think that I've seen chaos magic sigils, mm-hmm. and I've looked at some of the sigils in in the book. In the book, and I would say that the ones in the book tend to be more arty. They're definitely they're definitely artsier. Yeah. Artsier than uh ones that are made via chaos magic. Mm-hmm. So although uh, depending on your approach to a chaos magic method sigil, it can it can it can get pretty arty. Gotcha. <laughs> Just in the ones I've seen, mm-hmm. so yeah. we are we're under no obligation to review that no, book yeah, at we all. This. I bought this. The only obligation in it was, was that, that I, I paid for it, it. <laughs> <laughs> so that Ode would review it. Yeah, we got this at convocation. You know yeah, that, right? yeah, we did get yeah, it at convocation, and, and, and we met. And we we met Laura. We met Laura. And she signed like the book. Her she as, seems like a nice person. Yeah. Yep. And we like a lot of her art. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's got she's got some lovely art. She's yep. got some devotional. Or, well, I don't know if they were devotional for her, but they would be devotional for me if I owned them. Pieces of Odin and And uh, and Freya. And I do want to stress that sometimes tone does not come off in writing the way the author intends. I know because that has happened to me in the past. But I do think that how a person perceives the the writing is important. Right. I I read this book as as someone who, who creates sigils in that way. I read this book as being almost very slightly condescending, like, oh, you poor idiot, here's the way you should be making sigils. And I know she didn't intend it that way, but that's just sort of the way it came off. (laughs) All right, guess what? That's it for the review. Yeah, we're not going to sing with you. I know. (laughs) Yeah, because I didn't want you all to do anything. Jump in. I don't think you had, you didn't have to worry about that. I don't think either of us planned to. (laughs) Nope. Ever. Ever again, nope. no matter what you say. Nope, never. That was the worst. All right. All righty. <laughs> so we've got a, we've actually got a few more correspondences for Litha. Deities that you might worship during this time are obviously the sun gods and goddesses Amaterasu, Ra, Sol. Yep. If you if you just worship sun, Helios, Apollo. I would also do Freya and Freyr during this time because they have associations with gold and honey and harvesty things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this would this would probably be a frere time. And then some stones that you could use during during Litha or Midsummer or Summer Solstice stuff. I would just do amber, tiger's eye, and alexandrite. 
Anything Not, that has kind of a fire feeling to it? Sort of, yeah. Um, Amber definitely has a very warm feeling. Mm-hmm. I've described it before as feeling very old. Right. Tiger's Eye, I don't actually get much of a vibe off. I've never gotten a vibe off a of Tiger's Eye in my life. So See, I can't I give get you a lot of Tiger's I can't Eye. Give you, I can't give you a whole lot of like UPG information about Tiger's Eye, but it is usually associated with courage, confidence, and creativity. And then Alexandrite. You're unlikely to have Alexandrite just lying around. Because it's very rare and expensive and is usually found in jewelry. It's a, it's a specific form of chrysoberyl. And I suggested for this time if you happen to have access to some alexandrite because alexandrite under sunlight is a green stone. Under candlelight, it is a red stone. Mm, interesting. It changes, oh, it changes color. Um, depending on the type of light it's, it's exposed to. Light that has a high radiation of red rays, like candlelight or certain type, types of fluorescence, it absorbs those red rays and, and it becomes a red stone. Under sunlight outside, it's a green stone. So it's a stone for transformation and oh, change and cycles and mm-hmm. magic and manifestation and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But I, I like it for this because you can take it outside during the long day. It's a green stone, corresponds to the whole summer green situation. Mm-hmm. And then as night falls and you bring it into the to the bonfire or to the candlelight, it will become red and and symbolize those waning moments of sunlight. I think I need to get me some Alexandra. Yeah, it's very expensive. It's very rare. Mm. There are only a few mines where you can get Alexandrite mm-hmm. still. Um, they first discovered it in Russia, and that mine went almost completely dry. Tiffany has, like, a huge stockpile of I'm Alexandrite, sure. but it was recently, well, relatively recently, um, discovered in a few other mines in Brazil and a few other places. So it's mm-hmm. not as rare as it used to be, but it's still very expensive. Um, and it's mostly found in jewelry. But if you happen to have Alexandrite, I strongly recommend it for this time. Mm-hmm. You are not going to buy any. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking at the price. Yeah, it's very, very expensive. <laughs> if ever if ever a piece comes across my way and it's affordable, I'm going to get it. Okay. Uh, if it's over a carat, you're talking $70,000 or more. Oh, yeah. wow. Alexandrite's yeah. very, very expensive. It's mostly found, it's also mostly found in very small, like, chips. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, well, but even like those said, are twenty five hundred oh, very, to $15,000. Very, very expensive. Okay, so nobody is going to be getting any Alexandrite <laughs> no, no. anytime soon. Um, it's unlikely. Um, there is synthetic Alexandrite. you are a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, there, there is synthetic Alexandrite, if that interests you. So, so it's unlikely that anyone listening to our podcast has Alexandrite, but just think about Alexandrite. Think about those qualities, because... God, I love it, and it's so relevant to this time. <laughs> All right, that's... Uh, Why are you tempting me with these things that I can't have? That's Ode Stone Corner closed. <laughs> that's it. That's a new, that's a new segment. Ode Stone Corner. That is definitely a new segment. <laughs> Great. Every episode, Ode Stone Corner. You need it yourself. It's well, your own fault. I didn't intend to. <laughs> um, that's so, how things happen around here. That is that's how things how happen, roll. yeah. So another thing we wanted to talk about for Litha is the stone circles. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yes. the stone circles yep. that exist mostly in Ireland, as I understand it. Mostly in Ireland, mm-hmm. except for in, ah, two, that's right. in 2016, they discovered a stone circle in India. Yep. I think that is that so That they have... To, it, Carbon dated or mm-hmm. whatever dating process they use. Whatever now. they're using now. It's probably not carbon dated no, it's, anymore. It's, yeah. old, it's newer than it's that. Something else, yeah. That they've aged at about 7,000 years that's old. So that's amazing. older than Stonehenge. Yep. That's older than the pyramids mm-hmm. yep. at Giza. Old. Old. <laughs> old. Old as hell. But it is set up. This is very interesting. Mm-hmm. This stone circle is set up in a way that it mirrors Ursa Major. Stars, mm-hmm. Th- that constellation, that constellation in India at summer solstice, as as it would be seen as it at would be seen solstice. at, at summer, summer solstice, solstice. Yeah. seven thousand years ago. Yeah, yeah. now that's, admittedly that's right, changed, yeah. but we can go back. Right. We can backtrace right. that. Yeah. We can backtrace. So I thought that was very astronomers somewhere were like, right. let's see what the stars look like. Yep. I think it just goes to show that uh, summer celebration, solstice mm-hmm. celebration, is something that that is cross cultural. Well, and yeah. listen, if it's important enough to you. To bring a bunch of rocks, right? And put, right. And put the and a bunch of enormous rocks and put them in a specific configuration. The many, many years that it took, and the the to get it to you uh-huh. know to align to the 
the perfection yeah, right. they the, do. The math necessary. Oh my right. god. The labor necessary. Yeah. 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 When we're talking about the ones in the Celtic world. Right. In particular, which are, mostly which, in Ireland. Right. Which are the the sort of best known. Right. Ireland, England. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, we, probably the biggest one that everybody knows is Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. Yep. But all of those are lined up for summer solstice. Mm-hmm. Which we found interesting because we, we were when we were talking about this earlier... Ode brought up, well, what about the Carns that yeah, are the, out there? Yeah, the passage so, tombs. The passage tombs. So, like, Newgrange and Nonth and Donth that are in Ireland. So, so, I was like, all right, cool. I'll take a look at those. Those are actually lined up for winter. Yeah, for the winter solstice. solstice. I think that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, if you're unfamiliar with the passage tomb, it's a big Carn, basically, that's mm-hmm. built... And it's it's like a mound, right? It's yes. mostly yes, underground. Yep, it's a mound, yep. And the majority of it's underground. And then they create like a little window above yeah. the mm-hmm. uh, above the door that when the sun hits it on winter solstice, it actually lights up the entire tomb. Yeah, it fills the But that's the, whole the thing. only day and only at a certain time of sunrise does it do that, which is freaking amazing that they figured this right, out. That they like, did the math on that. Right. I wouldn't be able to do it today, more right. or less, you know, you know, 3,000 years with, or 3,500 years ago. With the assistance of an ago. iPhone, you could right. have done it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Ode and I were talking, mm-hmm. and we thought, well, it's kind of... Kind yeah, it's of very interesting. Si- interesting, or we see a significance mm-hmm. in... Representative. Yeah, yeah. representative of that, that, that the, the, the stone circles where people went to worship, to worship. And, and that kind of stuff... Is a summer solstice thing. Mm-hmm. And a living time. A yeah. living time, right. And then the winter solstice one, the Carns, the passage tombs are death. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting to see that, yeah. that those two things yeah. correspond and that, and I think somewhat. It's, I think it's very interesting that during the winter solstice, at that time uh, when the sun is in that perfect place, mm-hmm. the tomb, the the dead place, mm-hmm. is filled with, with light. light. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is... The, I'm... I'm, I'm that feels to me significant, maybe of the thinness of the time, the right. connection, the ability mm-hmm. to connect at that moment with mm-hmm. with your ancestors, yep. and that's the balance. You know, mm-hmm. you have your balance between summer solstice and winter solstice, mm-hmm. right there. Yep, yep. That, that the balance between life six and months death. to six months. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We it's anyway those we we found yeah, those we, and I don't and there's no way for us to know if that was what was intended with those connections, but. From our perspective, that seems super significant mm. and, and meaningful and very cool. Yeah. And if I ever have a billion dollars just lying around, <laughs> I'm gonna go to these places right? at these times. With I don't think Alexandra. you're actually. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you're actually allowed to t- to go up to Stonehenge anymore. I think this, they're still cordoned off. Actually, at there, summer solstice, you can. There oh, is yeah. a, there is one. My understanding is there is one uh, group or agency uh-huh. um, that is allowed to take. Worshippers, worshipers. Mm-hmm. on the summer solstice to right up to, to Stonehenge. 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 Okay. They're yeah. they're not allowed to touch. Right, obviously. You know, right. obviously. But and they it happens before uh the, before normal the main opening main opening yeah. of, the, yeah. of the area. Okay. But that's they cool. do allow them yeah. for that particular time. But it's one particular group that's been given right. permission. That you have to get yeah. Yeah. sign yeah. up. And with. you sign up with them to right. go with them for a summer solstice celebration yeah. at Stonehenge. That's yeah. awesome that at least that's that that at least that is permitted. Mm-hmm. Right, yep. Under then, under the watchful eye of caretakers. Right, yeah. Well, and usually tourists who are yeah. waiting for their turn right. to see. Right, who are like, why can't I go? Way in the back, right. you know, yeah. in the... And then you've got all these druids yeah. walking through. Yeah. Well, because so. they had to coordinate off further and further and further back. Right. Because right. people kept defacing it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Which is a tragedy. Right, Because, you know, the, it's one of these amazing Monuments. monolithic... Yeah. You know, creation. Creation is yeah. a yeah. monument. And for people to be doing stupid things, like they were taking chips of it away. Yeah. It's like, why do you do these things, people? When, like, even touching it and getting your skin yeah, oils it, on it, it, is, it is destructive. It. It's like, destructive. Right. So I'm glad that at least. Although one... we let people kiss the Blarney Stone. True. So. Uh, we, presumably we don't care as much about the Blarney Stone, and also we're not worried about mono anymore, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I am glad that, that there are people who will be able to go and worship at. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Stonehenge yeah. on summer solstice. 
we talked about creating a litha altar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Well, what do you got? So we've already kind of talked about the colors that you would want to put mm-hmm. in there. So, you know, Sunny your colors. yellows, <laughs> oranges, fire reds, golds, yep. you know, that kind of thing. Any kind of solar symbol. So if you have a sun. A candle holder with the sun on it. For instance, right. I have a, a hanging decoration that is a sun. Yep. Right. Yep. That hangs out on our porch. Uh, right. But if you brought that but in, for the, in for the for altar for litha. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So any time, anything that shows the difference between light and dark. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. So, right, makes sense because the Oak and Holly King, all that kind of stuff. Right. If you're um, uh, if you're Wiccan, if you're Wiccan right. the Oak and Holly King, uh, I don't know that much about it because I'm not a Wiccan, but my understanding is that that Midsummer is the moment at which the Holly King Def, like defeats the oak king in a duel or something and it's takes his place. Of, it's the other way around. No, the holly king wins wins because right. the yeah, midsummer yeah. is when it starts declining. That's so the yeah, holly king yeah. wins, leading into Yule, and right. then, yeah. then it reverses it to the oak and, yeah. king. Yeah, some of the stuff you can do for incense mm-hmm. for this would be sage, mint, basil, obviously Saint John's wort, <laughs> sunflower, mistletoe, oak. Rowan and fir mm. are uh, things that you can do for midsummer incenses, mm-hmm. which you can then, you know, burn right. yeah. uh, on your altar. Divination, obviously, is a big deal during this time. Uh, As I, mean, always, I know we always say Every that. holiday. Every holiday, man. <laughs> but uh, especially on the solstices and equinoxes, they're thin times of yeah. the year. Right, so. yep, yeah. That's pretty much it, I think, <laughs> on oh. that. And I also wanted to mention that along with the Oak King and the Holly King, it is meant to be the time that the goddess become the the maiden form right. of the She's goddess pregnant. is pregnant with. I believe it's supposed to be the Oak King who will be reborn. I don't know. I don't understand at Yule. I don't. I, un- I don't understand the Wiccan cycles. So. I, I, that's the truth. I don't follow the the Wiccan tradition, yeah. but I just know that that's part of it. So maybe our Wiccan friends out there right. do Let follow us know. Uh, yep, yep. that tradition and and understand <laughs> that lore could uh, what, give what us the heck more is insight. the deal with the goddess and the assorted gods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's about rebirth and life right. and death. Yeah. We'll do an article that links to a lot of these things, yeah. including a simple summer fire ritual that you can do. Mm-hmm. Yep. All of the correspondences we've talked about, we'll try to get linked. Yeah. I mean, not all, the, but most of the correspondences we'll the, we've the talked The notes about. blog might be late. It might go up a few days later than usual. Maybe because, the end of the week. Yeah, because yeah. we've been having some technical difficulties in the yep. house. Um, but it will go up. Yep. So just keep your eyes peeled for that. I also have a litha prayer that we'll link to. Mm-hmm. So we've got that. That'll be good. Oh, one of the things I wanted to bring up was the Native American sun dance. Oh, yeah. yeah. This was this fascinating. Was, I guess this was something that the Great Plains tribes yes. did yep. at Midsummer. Right. Yes, yep. It was their big Midsummer dance thing. And then in the early or probably mid-1900s, mm-hmm. it was outlawed. In the usual in, fashion. In the usual fashion because we were... Awful. Uh, <laughs> The government. The government outlawed it, basically, or the towns that these uh, tribes were near outlawed it because the warriors danced until they passed out. Yeah, they danced Mm -hmm. to exhaustion. Right. But what that was, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. was an ecstatic dance that would lead them into visions visions and trance states Mm -hmm. and things like that. Which, you know, I'm sorry, but those white settlers were not going to get. They didn't know what the fuck they were were seeing, you know. Now, those rules were lifted um, in Canada in the 1950s here in the United States because we're stupid. We're we took so it until slow. 1978 Ugh. to lift it. So stupid. Almost um, 1980. Yeah. I know. Isn't that ridiculous? Ugh. In my lifetime. Yeah. yeah I apologize so, to our Native American brothers and sisters yeah. out there. Who you all went to. Oh, we went to a Yeah, we went to the Gathering of Three Fires. Yeah. I think yeah. it's mm-hmm. what yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, I thought the Sundance was interesting, you know, that it's just... It's another thing you can think about during this time. Mm-hmm, I don't right. necessarily. I, I, I would not yeah. add it to your arsenal of things to do no. because because please separate... don't be appropriated. Right, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, just to acknowledge that, hey, all these various mm-hmm. cultures were all celebrating midsummer. midsummer. Yeah, summer yep. solstice. Yep, it's a significant moment in time. Exactly. I will also be posting a mead recipe. Yes, oh, yeah. Carr um, has found a recipe for mead that he desperately wants us to use. <laughs> so I will make sure that that gets posted, and then I'm going to make it, uh-huh. and, and we will we'll drink it, it properly, and we will promises. talk about it. Yep. <laughs> From what I've read, this is significantly easier for me to make than beer. Okay. I I have a friend, uh, I have a comedic friend who makes mead, so yeah. I can yep. ask her for for tips, for tips. if we need them. <laughs> 
All right. I don't know that we have a ton else, do we? No, I well, think that pretty much covers... We do need to talk about a few things, though, that well, are coming. Well, not, right. but things for Litha. We, no, I think we've yeah. covered all our Litha yep. content. Okay, yes. I think our Litha con- content has been all right, shared. So summed up. Here, here is the end of the episode rambling that Carr does. Normally, you all tune out at this time. Understandably, because I repeat the same things over and over and over again. Well, we got some new stuff. Right. Don't tune out this time because there's some new things and there are some things that are time sensitive. Yep. Uh, so do not tune out. You can find Three Pagans on a Cat on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the number three P A A C three pack. You can also find us on Twitter at three underscore pagans. Three pagans and a cat, all spelled out, dot com. Except the three is the number three. Right, it is the number three. Three. So it's not all spelled. So it's the number three. Pagans Pagans and and a cat. cat Dot com. com. (laughs) Uh, So you can find us there. There are links for absolutely everything Mm -hmm. on there. Including our Patreon and our Discord Mm -hmm. and the Facebook and the Twitter if you don't want us to have to type them. Correct. (laughs) Yep. You can also search for us. I'm sure you can probably find us. It's actually, if you do a Google search and you type out three pagans and a cat and you put exclamation points on, or not exclamation <laughs> points, uh, what are these quotation things? Marks. Quotation marks. I made the quotation mark sign <laughs> In the and air. said exclamation yep. points. <laughs> People wonder why I don't write. I just speak. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> no, you all couldn't see it. Anyway, so, so the time sensitive stuff that we need to talk about. Yep. Communitas Paganus starts this upcoming Wednesday. That's yeah. right. Um, if you are in the West Michigan area, which apparently West Michigan now extends to Lansing because we have somebody driving yeah. from there to meet with <laughs> us. But if you're in the West Michigan area, Communitas Paganus will be meeting at Fountain Street Church in downtown Grand Rapids. You can find information about that on the Three Pagans and a Cat website. You just go to the menu one that says Communitas Paganus. So feel free to do that. And what time is it going to be meeting? 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Yep. 7 to 9. It is the... It is the second Wednesday of every month. Thank you. And uh, we're going to be talking about Litha this first time yep. and about our our respective our plans, plans yep. for Litha. Exactly. So, and getting to know each other. Yeah, yep. and, and, you know, first meeting stuff. Yeah, first meeting things. <laughs> so that's that's a big thing. Communitas Paganas. Brand new. Coming up. If you live in this area, be there. We'd yep. love to see you. Yep. The second big thing that's coming up is Michigan Pagan Fest. Yep. Mm-hmm. This happens... June 21st through the 24th. Yeah, technically, we will be there. technically their opening day is Litha. <laughs> right, yep. We will be there June 22nd through the 24th. Yep. And we're teaching. Yep. We're teaching the Building Your Book series in a three-day, one-and-a-half-hour seminar. Yeah. So we won't one and be half hours as wordy. Per day, per day right. yeah. We will not be as wordy as we normally are. No, we're going to be summing a lot of things up. Right. <laughs> um, to sum up, please come out to Michigan Pagan Fest if you're yeah. in this neck of the woods. So I would see, I would say, if you're in the Midwest, yeah, yep. Michigan Pagan Fest is really cool. You can find them on Facebook. They have a website, mm-hmm. all that kind you of can stuff. Google so them. you Google yep. them, Michigan Pagan Fest, you'll, you'll find all the information. We're on the schedule. Yep. It's very exciting. Bright and early in the morning. On <laughs> yeah, the we're at 9 a.m. Yes, 9 a.m. every day. So make your way out there. Yep. Uh, Gwen will not be joining us the first day. Which because is the 22nd. Of, because, because of work commitments. Work. But oh, she will be joining will be us on the 23rd and the 24th. 24th mm-hmm. That's correct. Mm-hmm. We need your help to get there. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. N- now, this said, let me just clarify. We're going to go, period. Regardless. Yeah, we're going to figure it out. If we do it all on our own without your help, we're probably not going to pay rent. Yeah. So. Which, <laughs> which would be unfortunate for the obvious reasons. <laughs> Part of the problem is, you know, we didn't find out until, what, maybe a week and a half ago? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. found out we were... late that it was happening. Mm-hmm. And it was very shortly after Gwyn's surgery. surgery right. Mm-hmm. Which, which required three, well, three yeah. weeks off of work. Yeah. Right. And at the end of, you know, at the end of that three weeks of, of uh, you know, of being, of off work. being off work, we found out we were going to be teaching right. at Michigan Pagan Fest, right. and yep. we were like, oh. Yeah. yeah, so we didn't have money set aside because we thought our proposal had been rejected. Yep. For, you know, which we wouldn't have been surprised no, about. No, we were kind of... Um, 
Surprised we got it, you know. Yeah, so. We were pleased. Very pl- surprised, we were but pleased. Um, <laughs> they were very surprised because I don't very. know that I told them that I even <laughs> you, you mentioned You mentioned it, but, it months ago. Yeah. Um, so we didn't have money set aside for it. And frankly, even if we had had money set aside for it, we probably would have ended up spending it during Gwyn's uh, yeah. surgery, surgery and recovery. recovery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Just, just the timing on this was not ideal for us. And I do want to stress it was a three. It's I'm... Yeah. Halfway through at the actual recovery process. Right. Yeah. I was out of work for three weeks, but I still actually have three more weeks of recovery. Of recovery. Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> She's not allowed to lift anything over yeah, 10 pounds ridiculous. for another three weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can help us out with that by going to gofundme.com yep. forward slash three pack. Yep. So three um, P A A C. Yep. Yep. Again, so the same three pack you find everywhere on else. Facebook. Yep. So if you if you have a, even a dollar that you can contribute towards yep. that that we don't have to come up with ourselves that would be great. Yep. Um, but we will be there regardless, regardless. somehow. Yep. Uh, we're and make it happen. we will be delighted to meet you all. And, and we're very excited about teaching. Yeah, and teach your teach the building class. your book series and attend a lot of other people's classes. Because right. if you guys haven't seen the schedule yet, oh. it looks good. Oh, yeah. there's going to be some great. Teaching we're very there. excited. We're yeah. thrilled to not only be uh, going and being able to hear all this great mm-hmm. teaching, but to be a part of that schedule is just a, such an amazing yeah. honor. It's, yeah, it really yeah. is. Yep, so, yep. all right, uh, that's it. Yeah, I think that covers yeah, everything. We have covered everything. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to the very always, end. Always. Yep. Thanks. Thanks uh, for listening at all. We love you guys. Yep. We love so you. So we're, we're grateful to for all your support. That's right. Um, financially, emotionally, uh, and, and in terms of discourse on the Facebook. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Please keep sending <laughs> us messages. Join we us on the Facebook. Yes, yeah. We love that. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.